Hello and welcome to the Legendary Green Team. I am Huron Fan and I'm joined today by Dusty. Hello. And wrong about Navander Ashaman. Hey everybody. Today we're here to talk about The Way of Adan uh, by friend of a friend of the podcast, Philip Chase. He's a YouTuber and this is his debut novel. Um, we'll start with non-spoilers and then we'll talk spoilers. Uh, also, we're very happy to announce that Philip Chase has agreed to join us uh, for a conversation about this book sometime in the future. So look forward to that. Um, so shall we start with the non-spoiler thoughts? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Ash, you look like you have something to say. I, I do. I was, I was very much hoping I would like this book and I'm very relieved that I do. Philip is a great guy. Very nice. Very wholesome. And so, yeah, going in, I wanted to like this book because I wanted to, I wanted him to be successful. And it's just uh, nice when nice people have success. So the book, I would say it's it's not like transcendently good or anything. I think it's it's got good foundations. Philip has a lot of promise, I think, and he definitely ha- he has a good voice. I like where he's taking his inspiration from. I think the comparisons to Tolkien are fair because he as he notes in his about the author section, he's a medievalist and he likes old Norse stuff in particular. And that comes through and there are definite Beowulf influences in this book. And there, the prose is, a, it feels a bit older than most of fantasy. And I mean this in a good way. The, the way he describes scenes and actions. He, well, he uses the word sundered correctly, which, you know, you get a point for that. <laughs> um, so I'm positive on this book. I do have my criticisms. I think that in particular, the thing that bothers me most about his style is that he overexplains a bit too much. And I would have preferred it if things were kept a bit more ambiguous. And some things that seemed obvious were stated outright. And I don't feel like that's necessary. But I also recognize that if you want to sell books, a lot of the time you need to write so that people who aren't paying a lot of attention can still follow along, which is which is also fair. But it it, it made it a bit harder for me to stay 100% engaged um, throughout the book. Great. Dusty, you want to go next? Uh, yeah, um, I liked it. Uh, agreed in some ways, like uh, the prose sometimes I get like starting out like debut novel and it was kind of cool to read actually because i've thought about writing and i've done very little very little but the parts that i have done i'm seeing like oh man actually like i can see like all the time that it takes like get to like this and like what you have to do um so that was really fun i enjoyed that kind of meta i guess of writers reading writers but um the book like i think that is like a cool premise um ash mentioned a lot of stuff you can definitely see like the influences, especially Lord of the Rings, um, or like Norse or like old English. Um, and some of the times I liked that, and other times I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. I felt like re- recently the things I've been reading aren't like of the older style. And so I think that definitely influences my my thoughts. And I think I, I mentioned this to one of you also. Um, when I'm in the midst of a series, I don't like taking breaks from the series. And right now I'm trying to complete the Cosmere, which I'm pretty close. But because of that, I was like, oh, I want to go back Cosmere. But the fact that I was still able to read this book and finish it means that I, I liked it. 
I had to get like yeah and there was some really cool little tidbits that we'll get into with like the spoiler section and stuff that really kind of caught me uh later on and like propelled me to keep me going so cool 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 uh, <clears throat> I think I I enjoyed it a little more than both of you um like I said I don't think it was like amazing I thought it was very good and I enjoyed it quite a bit um it did take a little time for me to get invested and to uh, enjoy the plot but overall I really liked almost all the characters I thought Philip's uh pro style what worked most of the time like uh I say most of the time because there were quite a few sections where I I marked and like eh, this doesn't sound right or this doesn't feel right or um especially in dialogue I think I'm like why is somebody saying this uh but like I said, it worked most of the time. The vocalization is really strong. Um, and his character voices are distinct and interesting. And I think thematically, he uh, explored a lot of things that I'm really interested in. And I think he did really well with it. Uh, follows religion, uh, organize, organized religion, uh, conspir- or corruption, um, empathy. Uh, the magic was really interesting as well. Uh, it explored empathy through its magic. Um I probably should have written some, written some other things, but yeah, uh, thematically very strong as well. Yeah, the magic is definitely empathy magic, I, I would classify it as, which is really interesting. And I appreciate how the even the villains have complex relationships with their own faith and what they're mm-hmm. trying to do. They're not just hateful zealots, although, of course, hateful zealots do exist. <laughs> One in particular. But, yeah it's i also appreciated the more fey aspect of the series it kind of reminded me of some of guy gabriel k's stuff specifically the last light of the sun i was giving major uh flashbacks when i read read that last year and it wasn't an unfavorable comparison which i think speaks very well for philip because guy gabriel k is an amazing fantasy writer I, to channel a bit of my inner panda, I guess, I think that the book had a bit of a pacing issue, (laughs) which we can get into later. And there were some sections where I thought that, you know, like they could be sped up or slowed down or, you know, there, there, there were sections where I was really, really interested. And that kind of contrast with a lot of the rest of the novel where there was a it was a bit slower, it was a bit harder to really dig my teeth into. I agree. Um, <clears throat> uh, well, yeah, we'll get into that in the spoilers. Another thing I'd like to say about it, especially about his pro style, I was really surprised how well he set up a scene and the atmosphere in a scene before it started. Uh, in particularly, uh, some of the uh, focalized points of the king or a uh, high priest. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I highlighted several sections. Like this feels like Ericksonian in the way that he set up the. Uh, <laughs> I suppose the, the scene and how the the focalizer interprets the world. Shall we get into spoilers? Unless uh, anyone has anything else to say. I, uh, Dusty, do you have anything something to say? I don't know. I think most of my stuff's pretty virgin spoilers. So okay. I just one more point about style. I so far quite like how he's writing combat. Specifically, he's okay with making it a bit gross. <laughs> <laughs> and i think it i think it adds to what he's going for and there is yeah this book was a lot darker and grosser than i uh, expected from someone like philip yeah (laughs) yes and and i liked how so the book isn't super sexual i like that it still worked in sex 
well, I, I think, in a way that, was, that, that worked with the novel. And I always kind of narrow my eyes a bit if an author refuses to have sex <laughs> or characters who are sexual in, in their books. Um, so it, it's, it's nice that he had some of that and he worked in a way that wasn't just gross because that's also a trap that authors fall into. Good point. I, I didn't consider this and I actually had to think about like when there was sex in the book. But yeah, you're right. All right, so let's get to spoilers. Spoilers. Dusty and I decided that we would talk about the characters first. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, Day Raven is the main character. Uh, he's the chosen one. Well, maybe we should talk about the chosen one thing. How do you feel about the chosen one uh, in a story like this? That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just kind of like, I give it a begrudging, like, uh, if you must. <laughs> <laughs> That's this. If it's the if it's the narrative tool that you need to tell the story you need to tell, that's fine. I I'm fairly tired of it generally. I like it when characters are extraordinary on their own merits rather than being chosen. But it wasn't an egregious implementation of the trope, and I I do like Dayraven as a character in a lot of ways more more for his potential than what he's actually like here but he's he's a good he's a good guy you know he's uh, there's I think lots that's of a good ways of putting it yeah i i definitely i think i preferred him more for his potential and his role in the story and his function in the story than him himself although he's 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 not bad uh i i especially like the way that uh, philip set him up being like a lover of stories and understanding the importance of stories and telling stories and whatnot uh, mm -hmm. And like, oh, I'm going to like this guy. But uh, out of all of the POVs we got, I, his was easily my least favorite. Other, other than the, the, I guess, the priests in the prologue and the kid who dies in the first page. <laughs> I remember yeah. reading that first page, which I did not really en enjoy. I suppose I was thinking, oh, this is just another farm boy turned hero story that's actually not all that common in fantasy, but people seem to talk about it anyway. It feels and like it's common. <laughs> and then he dies, and I was like, oh, okay. I, I can get behind this. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, but he's, uh, Darren is kind of annoying a lot, too, as well. Because uh, yeah. he's really, 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 really loyal, and he will make decisions that I feel are destined by fate, uh, even if they're a little uh, too loyal and irritating in that fact because like he's like oh i met these i met these dwarves dwarves i yeah i don't know and uh i'm gonna i'm gonna swear that i'll protect you even though i have this other thing to do or i'm gonna swear to do this even though i have this other thing to do didn't he do that twice or three times in the story where he said i would do he something? did it a lot <laughs> yeah I, I i actually thought that was the most interesting thing about his character as in terms of the actions that he did because he's doing these things, he knows that they're going to cost him. But he's he's deciding, okay, this this is the hill that I'm willing to die on. I'm not going to sacrifice my character in this sort of way. And that's it's neat when characters have flaws like that. Well, arguable fits even a flaw, really. But yeah, because it, it kind of turned. He almost dies at the end, but I, I suppose that's yeah. like I I have a feeling that everything he does, like I said, is just kind of uh, fated to happen. If that makes sense. Uh, for for example, like when he meets the two uh, dwarves, what are their names? Halak. So we are getting spoilers now. I, I thought we are. Yeah. yeah. We, okay. Okay. I did this, I, okay. the spoiler thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. I. I. When he I, met I, Ganorn and Halak. Yeah. Uh, he just kind of felt this sudden urge to race. He's like, oh man, I, I have to race. I have to race. 
And if they didn't race, then, you know, uh, they them joining the army wouldn't have happened and they wouldn't have met Ganorn and Hawk. It wasn't like a sudden urge, though, on that one. Like, it kind of understood because that was right after he met that other priest of the way who was actually like a good priest, right? And then that guy talked about him, like, you know, you find your way. And he's, like, excited. He's like, oh, you know what? Maybe this could all work out. And then he got really excited and was like, let's race. So. Yeah, but, like, Philip put it there for a reason, right? There's no reason. Like, they, they could have, uh, he could have easily had them not racing and then go over the top of the hill and still seen the same thing. There was no reason that they needed to be racing. Mm, true. Um, so I, I feel like that was the Philip telling us that, like, oh, this urge to race and uh, hedge up faster is actually uh fated to happen i felt that way a few times in the story but um i forgot what's saying like uh, i think his, his role in the world is more interesting than himself because this he's obviously a christ figure and i i love that it's jesus coming back and his entire church is just filled with corrupt people <laughs> and so yeah. like i i love that I mean, idea that's that's also in the <laughs> In the, in the original Bible, right? Is the famous story of him chasing the uh, money lenders up from the temples. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but this, in particular, kind of speaks to me. Yeah, that's fair. I, I would say that the fate things, my interpretation of that was that is the elf state. The, the impression that the elf left on him is sometimes kind of like takes over and makes him act in these certain ways. Hmm. To, yeah, because the elves seem to be not strictly restricted to time and space. They might even be seeing things in a bee theory sort of way. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's possible that the elves just like live in a way they know everything that's going to happen. They know the roles they're going to play out. And Day Raven has been imprinted with um, an impression of this. And that's what causes him to act in these ways that make it seem like it's fate. Hmm. I like that idea. Uh, do you think maybe the elves are playing like a, I don't know, a god role and uh, making him do things? Because uh, he he often seems like he has to fight away this elf state, he calls it. I would say that the elf state is like a state partially of radical empathy. And I love the way those parts are written, too. Yeah. It it when he's in the elf state, like his sense of self falls away, and he realizes that there's everything is connected, right? Everyone deserves empathy and compassion, and yet he's also distant from it all. He doesn't feel this strong sense of personal attachment um, that most people do. So it's all it's almost it's almost Buddhist, um, but not yeah, not not perfectly. So um, I. What what role the elves playing? I'm not sure. That's the that's the thing I'm most interested to find out in terms of lore. Hmm. Any thoughts about Dayrun, Dusty? You guys said a lot of it. Yeah, I thought it was kind of boring <laughs> sometimes. Um, or just like yeah, his motivations. I was just kind of like, Meh. or like you know, we're gonna end up in this mercenary company, and that's actually where we're supposed to be instead of going to Galador. Was it Galador? Galdor. 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 Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I preferred Imhar. Imhar was oh, cool. Yes. Imhar was dope. <laughs> uh, I mean, and Imhar got laid, right? So A lot. A lot. <laughs> I like when he was flirting with uh, Erd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me too. It's like, man, this dude's a ladies' man. He'll just, he, he will flirt with anybody. 
and he and he continues to do so. And he's just really loyal, uh, mostly uh, until the end of the book. But I suppose there's nothing wrong with what he did at all. No, uh, I really liked the the twist that he was kind of a noble. A dude. Yeah, a he noble. was a noble. Yeah. yeah, I liked that too. Yeah, that was cool. Like I didn't need this, but I'll take it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And his uncle seems really cool too. So yeah, it's nice. And uh, yeah, he he's got he's got interesting character because he is obviously a very sexual guy. Which when when you learn about his backstory, um, that that he watched his father get killed in front of him, then watched his mother get raped and killed in front of him, and then watched his sister get raped. That's that's interesting. That's interesting that he acts the way he does. Yeah. Uh, not it's not wrong, uh, a wrong way to respond to trauma. Because like obviously he, it's consensual sex that he's doing. But um, I imagine this is an angle that will get explored more in later books. His relationship uh, with sex and women and men as a result. Who is your favorite character, Dusty? Let's talk about them next. Uh, it's funny because I can't remember the name of my favorite character off the top of my head. She was the, the next in line. Sequara? Of, yes. Uh, I like Sequara a lot. Um, yeah, Sequara. Uh, her first POV, it was really early in the book, too. It was, it was like, oh, no more Day Raven. Okay. And I was like, oh, we're going to follow her for a while. And I was kind of disappointed when we didn't. But yeah, yeah, like 100 <laughs> pages, not her. Yeah. But uh, yeah, her first POV is really cool. And how she has to, I don't know, other kind of Buddhist feeling that she has to give up all attachments. Yeah, and sacrifice herself for uh, her kingdom, and their their whole um, line in the uh, the kingdom is really interesting too. The way that uh, they're not supposed to have family, and it's not uh, nep- nepotistical. Is that a word? They have to be a sorcerer, or sorceress. Mm. That was cool. And her, uh, what, what was the name of her guard? He was cool too. Haldor? Was that? Yeah, it? I liked him. It was yeah. I don't remember. I feel like the one that I keep trying to remember is the one that died early. Yeah, uh, she's essentially a Jedi, you know, from the prequel, <laughs> prequel trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, she is. That's yeah. a good way putting it. But yeah, I, I enjoyed Sequara. I don't have much to say about her. Um, she kind of felt like a... Well, I suppose Erd is more of the uh, the Gandalf character, right? Yes. <laughs> I think yes. there were literal lines that Erd said in the book that came from Gandalf. Uh, maybe I can oh. find them. Maybe. I wouldn't maybe. be surprised at all. If she's like the Gandalf character, does that make the Queen of Astrolod like the Saruman character? <laughs> Only if she turns out to be evil. I highly doubt that she will. She seems very Maybe she'll turn out to be the Radagast character. Ooh. <laughs> uh, did, did you enjoy the Mother Maiden Crone meeting, uh, Ash? I always love it when the three faces of Eve show up in a, <laughs> a story. I, I highly like that point, but Ash is going to like this. Um, Here is, Erd uh, is my favorite character. Erd. There's a glimmer yeah. of hope she smelled at Faldir and Sequara. It was under my nose for the longest time, but I was foolish enough not to see it. Perhaps I was afraid. Well, I could not have known what would happen. Only now I fear all my heart is almost lost to us. So, I, yep. <laughs> Just like, oh, I found the ring and it's a hobbit and I missed it. It was under my nose. Oops. Uh, yeah, we, uh, someone said earlier that this is Beowulf and it's very, very, very much felt like a Beowulf inspired story, which is cool with me because I don't think I've read yeah. many like that. Yeah, it, to me, it was most noticeable when they're talking about their swords. <laughs> <laughs> and, and magic swords in fantasy are obviously a big thing. But the way it's treated here feels a lot older than it, it normally does. There are a lot of cool monsters in the story, too. Yeah. I really yeah. enjoyed the sections of the monsters attacking and 
them collecting the monsters and it was very visceral um this is where i have to mention that i think i've done this on a different podcast sometimes i give descriptions to something that i didn't really read the description carefully so the the pukas pukas how would how did you guys say them the... uh, i i i said them pukas because that's similar to a word in spanish that i know is very offensive <laughs> that makes that makes that's nice um but i think i said puckers it, or something <laughs> we all said something different i kept saying puka just because i thought it was fun um but i i like imagine all of them looking like a green version of uh randall from monsters inc huh. i like it now i'm going to i just picture them as like coyote type things even though I, I don't think they're described as such but well because they yeah. could do weird things where they like would they're very agile and could like get yeah. up to your head really easily. So, actually, what they remind me most of because I saw Avatar again fairly recently is the like the little black creatures that that look like coyotes but are kind of like slick and oily looking. That's what I thought of when I thought I saw the bukas. Okay, I don't remember that. Avatar. Avatar. Hey, it's a good movie. I Avatar two also a good movie. Oh, I saw the second one. Yeah, but... not that Avatar. Not that Avatar. Yeah, sorry. Not yeah, we have been talking a lot about Avatar The Last Airbender in the Discord. Uh, yeah, Avatar's fine. Avatar 2, I think, is much better, though. I agree. I gotta watch it. Yeah. Watch I, it the I really like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's see. Oh, you want to talk about Erd, uh, Ash? I assume you have some thoughts. Hell yeah, I want to talk about Erd. She's so... I, I love old witchy women characters, and I love it when they're in conflict with priests of the new way. And I've said this before on the podcast. The Named Bagsack. Yeah, Balsack the <laughs> Balsack the Priest. I I can't believe that wasn't intentional by Philip Chase. But um I I, 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 I think everybody thinks of Balsack when they see Bagsack, so Dusty, did you think Balsack? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just like every time I saw it, I was it wasn't even intentional. It's just like, oh Balsack. And he acted like a Balsack, too, so it worked. <laughs> yes, I liked Erd a lot. She's she's of an archetype that I think is underserved. Old wise men get their fair share in fantasy. Old wise women, not quite as much. Although I think it's getting better now. Um, witches in ye old England um, definitely had a power in their communities that was outside of the Christian priesthood, which is... A large part of why witchery was so looked down upon by by the communities and, and stamped out. Um, so I, I like the conflict between the old world and the new that that is in, is in this book and is going to be explored, no doubt, much more later. <laughs> and it seems like I that's like... the core conflict. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And I like that the. Priest does have legitimate magical power. He's not he's not just a demagogue or anything. And Erd also has legitimate power, but her power is kind of of a gentler variety. And she's gentler and also ruthless when it needs to be. She like there's that scene of her killing the goat that I thought was really good for her character. And yet she like she takes care of her animals as much as she can. She tells them, Oh, you'll you'll probably want to be away from this, so go to this little farmer down the way. He'll take care of you for a bit. Or go into the woods, and that'll be fine. And that she's very beautiful. nice. Yeah, she's very nice to all our animals. And the 
I think the scene where she's like fighting the priest, that's that's one of the best parts of the book for me. Um, and I also like how she just doesn't like killing people. I like I like non murderous people in books. Boring. Boring. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's fine just so long as you know there's those certain characters you're like they're gonna be a problem whether you leave them alive or not. So just take care yeah. of the problem. Yes, that's true. That's true. Balsack the priest was not a big problem though, fortunately for Balsack. He was not. <laughs> bumbling idiot speaking of Balsack I, I I found it kind of funny how just like he uses a palantir and <laughs> yeah I, I I was thinking that these palantir are going to be more important throughout the course of the novel doesn't seem like it at all it only came up that one time right yeah yeah and also like this is like a pretty small village like in like a less important area of like the mark which is it seemed like why do you think they all have these or is it just him i think that balsack the priest has the palantir basically because he's been tasked to keep an eye on erd and erd is like one of the major players that they were keeping an eye on that makes sense yeah i think i really like about the magic in this book is that um each of the religions use seem to use the same magic source mm-hmm. they could uh they could sense each other. They could sense the power in other people. And yet they believe completely different things. Like uh, at the end when Sequara heals uh, Dayraven, uh, all of the priests of the way could feel her and they knew what happened. Uh, but the way that she described it was definitely in her terms and her understanding of her two gods. Um, so I'm I'm interested to more, learn more about that because I thought that was really interesting. Yes. Do you think that, I don't know, they definitely describe it all in the same way, but in some ways they were different, like talking about that scene with Erd, like her magic was strongest in the the willow ring or whatever, and the way that she wields it, I guess going back to it, is that just like a a factor of like the way that they learned their magic and the way that they choose to wield it? Or do you think that there are differences between her and like the Supreme Priest and his like, I'm just going to throw lightning wherever I feel like it. So. I don't know because I I had the feeling that like uh, like Ash was saying earlier, it felt like uh, the Christian Church in their I guess what you would interpret their magic being if the Catholics had magic uh, to going against maybe some of these wax witches uh, or the people in like maybe some of the more barbarian uh, communities where they're they're more their magic is more nature and more into nature and animals and maybe herbs and lore and that kind of thing. So maybe it really is just a matter of their natural inclination or their natural knowledge mixed with magic i'm just taking a shot in the dark i i would imagine that none of these factions have figured out the magic in anything resembling a scientific way so they're doing a lot of things that okay they figured out they've worked but they're not like probably totally efficient or um there there are all these rituals around it that maybe be are incidental to the magic being used rather than integral to it um but i would i would guess that for each of the factions having a holy site they can draw power from is is it is a thing that they can all do so for erd in a forest it makes sense because her power is shamanistic it shaman like nature oriented i would imagine that for the priests of the way their power is strongest in churches and temples. And I think we kind of see that when Bledla is controlling the elements around the, the the temple that he's in, in that one scene when they're going, on, they're going to go after war. 
I don't forget the exploding head guy. Oh yeah. So they're they like dungeons too. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't think that's a place of <laughs> that's a place of power, but um, maybe I could be wrong. It also was the dungeon in the bottom of the church. Yeah. It oh, was. was it? Oh, okay. Oh, so maybe yeah. then. Yeah. But like, I mean, he still had like extreme power on the battlefield too. So I think it's just also. Um, Blood was just crazy powerful. Similar. <laughs> But also, I think having all the other priests of the way there, magic users of similar, like, what you guys are talking about, like, faith or similar, like, aspects um, might actually, like, um, buff each other. I don't know. Something like that. Like a resonance. Yeah. I really, I really like how the magic has tangible cost to it. And, for example, like the, the problem with empathy is that you end up feeling the pain of others. And this is true even for Bloodwell, right? When he's exploding the guy's head, he's feeling it, <laughs> and like it's it's not a pleasant time for him. And he like this is this is one reason why he needs to be so dogmatic because otherwise he li- he literally wouldn't be able to handle what he does. And Bloodwell's a really interesting mm-hmm. character that is, I yeah. when he was first introduced, I'm just like, yeah, this guy's the worst. Like he's just oh yeah, it's like another evil pope guy, and oh, he is boring. an evil pope guy, but. <laughs> got that he's... scene at the end where like uh there's two scenes that are really interesting like when he's uh doing like self-flagellating with a cat of yeah. nine tails and like you could under you could see like the faith that he actually has and like how important this is to him and how he really truly believes that he's right but then when he gets that that time of doubt in front of Jorman, mm-hmm. i was just like oh man this is gonna be really cool because i can't wait to see what happens there yeah yeah, that was dope. Um, I was really confused at first, and I was like, I guess I could see it, especially with, like, yeah, like, when he's hitting himself, like, the things that he was thinking, it, it was kind of built into that, and so that moment made a lot more sense. Jorma is neither, cool, too. Yeah, none Jorman of the priests cool. are what I expected them, because, yes. like, uh, we've we got basically four, I guess, except for Balsack. Balsack's not that interesting. But Jorman, <laughs> uh, when his introductory chapter was my favorite for most of the book. Yes. Um, it was just, it was, it was awesome. And I was like, oh, I want to read more of this. And then yeah. we have uh, Adon. What's the other priest's name? Oh, was it Adon? Oh. The, the old guy. The old yeah. guy. Yeah. Alon. Alon? Alon? Did I? Adar? Adar? Adar Whatever. That guy's cool. Like he's, he's the guy that gave the, the song of beginning to Sequara. He's the guy um, that's definitely gay. I'm pretty sure he's gay, and I think he was gay with Galdor. <laughs> Wasn't Joroman the one who gave it to um, Sakura? No, no, it was definitely the uh, I thought the it was old Jorman guy too. because they described yeah. him as an old guy first of all. And uh, no, I, I'm Joroman reasonably sure it's, it's the old guy. Yeah, it's Joroman. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he's the one that he's like he wants this to go through, like he wants to conquer the world and then conquer blood blood. Yeah. I so I how I interpreted it is because at the end he says, "Oh, it we could have learned much from each other." And that's Joroman's thing, right? He's he's all about learning from learning as much as he can from as many people as he can. I interpreted it as okay, Joroman is still like he's still kind of old and he's setting up opposition for Bloodla that he knows that Bloodla will be able to beat but will weaken him so that he can take over later. Yeah, I think that. Um, I, I think that was more like. Go ahead, sorry. Oh no, um, Jorm. Actually, you should go first because mine's gonna segue into like okay. guessing. What I, I think. Happen. I think him saying, "Oh, I think we could have learned from each other," was not uh, uh, 
a want for more knowledge. I think it was a lament for what could have happened, which is not a German thing. Well, uh, German does lament that he has to kill, well, he thinks he has to kill Day Raven, right? He's like, oh, I wish that I didn't have to kill Day Raven. I could have learned so much from this guy. But for my purposes, he needs to die. Yeah, well, it's Philip, and Philip will tell us, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm reasonably certain it's, it's the old guy, uh, who's, who's really cool. So we got Jorman, uh, the guy who th- thirsts after knowledge. Uh, that seems to be his main, he, he, I mean, he's a bit of a hedonist, but hedonist isn't the right word either. Uh, he thirsts after knowledge first and foremost, and he's not really very zealous, although he used to be to lost his faith. So maybe mm-hmm. there's an arc there. Uh, Balda, who's incredibly powerful, um, and like well, I just described, Bledla, yeah, I like Balda. Yeah, and, that's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> I described already how I think he's really cool. And who is the other one? The who's the the one like the high the sadistic torture guy? <laughs> uh, maybe there's only three. No, I think there's only three of the major priests that weren't complete. Where did he get POV? Um, so yeah, and, and, and the the the, the, the really there. nice priest they met in the inn. Yeah, that guy. Like, because uh, they're they're running from all these priests who are literally trying to kill them. And then oh yeah, they go to an end. They talk to this guy, and he's just he's probably the coolest guy in the book. I think. <laughs> I wanted them to take him on the quest. He's like, why couldn't bags or uh, ballsack be this guy? <laughs> well, they wouldn't have sent ballsack to watch over Earth. This the, this guy and Erd would have had no conflict. Yeah. yeah. That that's why the, going back to what I was talking about though, I, like Joramon, I think that you know we're talking about are the magic and like the aspects of it where it comes from i think that he's gonna be um big in like revealing things in later books like he'll discover things from his research or something and like use that against like bledla so i I think that that's kind of how these that will play out for like the reader's understanding of how the magic system works at at least that's my guess yeah i i hope he rediscovers his faith uh and realize that like yeah even though all these old records and they're, they're mostly bs or they're not actually what they say they are <laughs> but he he finds the the truth hidden there and he's not so dogmatic or not so uh what's the right word he's not really too worried about uh the details or what was true or what was not true in a historical sense but uh that the faith there was actually the important part if that makes sense and maybe it does i <laughs> i found the yeah the conversation he was having with the old priest about like it's essentially hearkening to questions of biblical canon, and mm. there is a lot that people can dive into there. Of course, <laughs> not for this podcast. Not for this podcast. Not for this podcast. And he's just like pointing out like all of these 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 flaws. Yeah, maybe he'll get past them. I think that he does think that he's pious in his own way because he does want he doesn't want to destroy the church he wants to instead focus it on it to be a tool of extreme progress so that they can fix what's wrong with humanity basically yeah and death that's what's really cool about it but it seems like he's doing this uh regardless of what he believes if that makes sense it's not that he has uh faith he has a, a means to power like this, he doesn't like, actually yeah, this is he doesn't where believe he finds himself church. basically yeah he doesn't yeah. believe in what the church teaches. He believes in what the church can do or what he can do with the church. Yeah, that's, yeah. He's very consequentialist. And I, that conversation was fantastic too because uh, we're, we're getting his inner thoughts and he's, what he's saying and what he's thinking are very different, obviously, because yep. he's trying to uh, so subtly change the conversation with, uh, I'm going to call him a, a, 
Alon. Uh, Iran. Maybe Iran. Uh, and then we get the POV afterwards, and Iran isn't buying most of it anyway. Although he did uh, give him a few things to trip over. He did. He guessed the perfect things. Like Iran's yeah. for Galdor. It's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I... The... I don't, was this was was it trying to be mysterious? I feel like it's basically just telling us, okay, he's gay, and it's Galdor that he's gay for. I think that that's probably what it was. Yeah, probably. Well, there was something else too, though. Do you think that that was the thing that was like the terrible secret? I thought that there was like two things. I think that I was think the terrible, terrible secret. secret is that he had gay sex with Galdor. <laughs> I thought it's so funny because it's like I mean I understand at the time like that's the terrible secret, but I expected like murder or something. No, I think that's just yeah. it. I mean, in uh, for a lot of uh, people, that murder is definitely the lesser sin. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, how'd you feel about the dwarfs or dwarves? Do we do we then be dwarves? Um, they're fine. I appreciate how they're clearly not. Tolkien dwarves. They are dwarves from the, they're Norse dwarves. And I feel like we're on Discworld dwarves. <laughs> um, they are so they are similar to Tolkien dwarves, but Tolkien dwarves were based on dwar- Norse dwarves, and the the way they act is not necessarily Tolkien. Like they seem to be more okay just not being in mountains, right? Like they're just living on the land. The most part, as far as I can tell, even though they are really good at making things. I thought, okay, maybe you're right. There is there is diversity to them. We're led to believe, but we know nothing about the other groups besides the fact that they don't like. I mean, that's kind of Tolkien-ish. Like you'd be like, oh no, those are the dwarves of the Iron Hills or whatever, and you never hear much about them. Gold, 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 and Scottish. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's although. To be fair, Tolkien, that's not Tolkien. That is, for some reason, everybody's interpretation of dwarves after Tolkien. Uh, well, that, 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 that's where most of the mining in the UK happens, right? In the mountains? Yeah. Maybe. Up, up north. Um, I, I suppose and, that's how it, it turned to that, maybe. I think maybe. It, you know, I don't Whatever. know. What I like about the dwarves and, uh, and what... Arna. It's Arna. 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 I'll try to remember that. What I like about the dwarves and I like about almost all the stories is how important history and uh, the events of history are on like nearly all of the events in the entire book. You beat me to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that happened. Like uh, I, the dwarves are fine. I, I like Ganorn and Halak. Uh, I like just Gnorn. fine. I don't think Halak has any character to him really. But as soon as they showed us what the funeral ritual was, like, okay, one of these guys are going to die, and the other one's going to be hanging out with Dayraven for the rest of the series. <laughs> was it Norn? I knew that was happening. Norn that's hanging out with him for the rest of the series? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah. yeah. Pluck. Okay. Pluck died. Um, what was the, I mean, oh, it's killing me. But the story that he told, though, like, he, he was like, it wasn't that they broke out of, oh, what's the, what's the name of that country where Galdor is king of? Um, I don't remember. Because the, 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 the original myth was that they broke out and then created Torland or whatever. Um, mm. But like then the, the dwarf told him that it was actually 
what was it? Was it that they were running from the 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 people that come from the wildlands or whatever? And so oh, I can't even remember all the details, but I was like, oh, that's so cool. Mess with their creation myths kind of thing. So I, I don't remember the details either. I was just thinking and uh, bingo players take a shot. Hey, <laughs> Rome. <laughs> Rome? Well, because they're um, part of the part of the conception here is okay. They there there were these people that had settled in land and they make really big structures and really impressive structures. And then the people came in for like, oh, they must have been giants who made these, because how else are you gonna stack stones that high? Something like that. And uh, yeah, we're gonna make make a, uh, a point about Aeneas and maybe finding Roman. <laughs> oh, oh, um. Well, I, I wouldn't call any of these civilizations here Roman Roman at all. Like, the, the ones that exist in, in the world currently. The ones that previously existed seem to be more Roman to me. Or Roman-inspired. Just in the sense that, okay, there was this... Like, the fall of Rome was such a big concept in the Western conception of itself. And migrating tribes was a huge part of that, because everyone was migrating everywhere and taking over new lands and killing the people that lived there and mm. like i said stuff. earlier um history and especially stories have a very important uh, feeling to this this book mm -hmm. and to the entire world and people listen to stories and story makers and bards are actually called shapers yeah, yeah. which i think is a fantastic name <laughs> i like it a lot it's like it, it goes into like what myths are and what myths actually do and they kind of shape how we feel and how we look at the world and Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I like that part. I I also liked how one of the primary vehicles for telling stories is songs. Mm. Which, Some of the songs were not bad. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Again, again, this calls back to, to like it's similar to Tolkien, but obviously Tolkien was drawing on the existing tradition for these. And I think that song is uh, something that is grossly mis uh, underused in in fantasy and. I would be overjoyed if, for one of the battle scenes at least, like he's talking about how people are singing because battle chants are really cool, and that's that's what I want to see in a Hollywood fantasy adaptation more than anything else. A a a fantasy battle where they are singing and not just shouting at each other. But oh, I want a fantasy going... battle. Go ahead. I was going to say, are you going to read that chant if it's in the chant of the languages he has in the book? I skipped over all of those. Oh, me too. Um, I see like a whole yeah. Paragraph. I was to Philip about those. I'm like, how did? Uh, why? Uh, yeah, and I, I would be curious as to if he has like a strong sense of the language, or if he's just kind of this is this is some Norse sounding words. Oh, I mean, he knows old English, so yeah, yeah, he does, and, and it's that I think that's very obvious when you read this book, which is I agree. It's nice. He's, yeah, there he's are a lot of words I had to look up, like Thegan. And uh, stall, Stallflet, Starflet, which I read as Starfleet every time. I did too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, damn, what was I thinking about? Uh, something about an epic fantasy battle. Right, right, right. I want to read a book where there's no epic fantasy battle, but instead there is a tapestry that people talk about afterwards about the battle. Mm. Is this not like just what Carcanus? <laughs> I could. Yeah, you might have your wish. <laughs> with that. Um, I I like that. 
I would need it to be in a visual medium like a comic book or a... Uh, oh, like you were talking... Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to read that necessarily. I would want to have the tapestry shown to me so I can see it and be like, oh, yes, I can't read tapestries. I'm glad that someone can. <laughs> oh, so you don't, you don't like that part in Fall of Light? I, I love all of Fall of Light. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, is it the... What is the... the by, by you tapestry there you go it's a real life one what's the name of it oh yeah ah the the famous one that depicts like the 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 battle of hastings oh um i i i know what you're talking about i've heard the name before i for the life of me i can't remember it right now I feel like it's but like yeah tapestries but i've read several articles about um let's see what are they called wall murals or you know those folding screens of battles from Trip the single period that have been used as evidence for oh interpreting the battles yeah it's i i'm butchering it because it's b-a-y-e-u-x tapestry so i just say the by you because it's like yeah but there's an x which you guys say by you by you tapestry how is that is that okay mm-hmm. yeah like this just depicting people fighting there's actually a scene where this happens in um the netflix show marco polo oh yeah what season? I think I got the first season. Season one. So. Season one, yeah. Do I remember it, that? Late in the late in the season one, there is a scene where a tapest- someone is describing a tapestry of a recent battle that happened. Okay. Oh. And and they're showing the tapestry as it goes. See, um, earlier before spoilers, we talked about how it was much darker than I thought the book would be. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting uh, descriptions of blood leaking from anuses. Or yeah. God. A, a dead child in the street uh, while everyone walks by, or a frankly dis- one of the most disgusting monsters I've ever read about in the the bowels of a dungeon. Yeah, that was pretty the horrifying. Exploding heads. Uh, good job. I I I got some definitely Esselmont vibes from some of those scenes. <laughs> I noticed that it was a lot darker at the start than at the end. Uh, that's how it felt to me because all of that stuff is like the first half of the book, and it feels like the first third of the book, maybe. Well, the dead then, kid was the second half, and yes, the dead the dead kid was is the exception to that. And the, the battle was quite visceral as well, especially with the yeah. monsters. Um, yeah, People that's true. Heads and stuff and bowels just yeah. leaking out. Yeah, the baby moment. The the torture scene. I think that was a very good way of totally implying what happened, and like these guys are definitely raped um as part of their torture which um kudos to philip for depicting male rape in fantasy because that's not often something that's done but obviously he didn't want to get into the details and he didn't need to this is a this is an effective portrayal of what happened i think although what happens to the the older rebel there is horrifying yeah getting eaten by that worm thing i'd yeah i'd rather have my head explode Yep. It's just like any like a python, right? <laughs> but slimier. I would rather get eaten by a python. Yeah, because you you would suffocate before too much. Yeah. That's Plus, true. They usually suffocate you before they swallow you anyway. Yes. Yeah. Fun. I don't want you moving. Fun and hey, uh, ran, way the way of how do you pronounce it? Adan? Is it Adan? Okay. All right. I say Adan. Yeah, yeah, I I, I kept saying Eden before I'd seen anything about it, but then I saw <laughs> Philip in one of those videos mention of, oh the map when you showed me the sent me the map. Then he gets. I did find the map in the ebook. Um, Where? 
I don't know. I just checked the contents and then I think it was near the beginning or end or something. I don't remember. But I found it. I definitely found it. How'd you, how'd you feel about Eric and Wald? Um, he was fine. He's a yeah. fine guy. Kind of a... Um, more interesting than uh, I think a different, different authors might portray this guy. I agree. I, I uh, like that his, he's largely mm-hmm. motivated by his father's failings, especially his father's uh, faith. Yeah. And he's a sadist, at least to his wife. His poor wife. I feel bad for her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's clearly just like emotionally traumatized her and she's non-functional essentially. It's, yeah, feels pretty bad. And she's being encouraged by the church by always giving her alcohol. Yeah. Ouch. Kind of messed up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think I have much else to say. Anything else? I, I just... will say... Mm, go go ahead. first. I was really pleasantly surprised by the quality of the paperback. I oh. tried buying the ebook first on Amazon. Amazon's awful. I don't have a Kindle, and I didn't want to jump through all their hoops to get it loaded onto my Kobo. Uh, so I decided to buy the paperback instead. Paperback is very nice quality. Paper is very good for the price, and uh, it's a nice size. It's not mass market paperback. It's foldable. It's uh, the spine is not broken, and I'm very pleased about it. it. I wanted the paperback, but it wouldn't arrive here for a long time so yeah, yeah I same. eventually maybe never arrive <laughs> <laughs> i could get mine like next month like on the 12th or something i think i don't know when my vote arrived it would <laughs> it would get stuck and i'd have to message the people i know in the post office who work there to help me discover oh, where wow. it gets seized at the border <laughs> this happened um um i found uh, like it's not like the whole quote, but like a piece about like the creation myth and stuff that we were talking about. I I keep saying creation myth. I don't even know if it's necessarily what that is, but um, but Day Raven basically says back to Gnorn, um, if you speak the truth, he said to Gnorn, then the folk of Elland, Torland, and the Mark are all like the Thoths of Grimrick, kin of the Ilar- Ilarche. We come from them, and the George is like, yep. You, you're TS, you're all the same, except some of you have learned some manners. <laughs> that was it. That's what I was looking for for a yeah. while. That, that, uh, that made me laugh. To, um, to, to extend the Roman analogy, then, as, as we know, the barbarian tribes that took charge of the various pieces of the empire, uh, for example, the Goths, the Visigoths, the Ostrogoths, lots of Goths, um, they started out uh, very, quote, barbaric and then settled down and then called themselves Romans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they became civilized. And that's, that's a, that was a theme throughout Roman history. The barbarians coming in and getting assimilated and becoming Roman. And the question of what it means to be Roman was hotly debated. But you had all these wild people settling down, basically, and then, and then not associating themselves with the wild men anymore. Which is, seems like it's what happened here. Yep. Um, a character that didn't really make much sense to me is the captain of the mercenary company. I don't understand why he goes... With them at the end, they needed more. I, I have a um, feeling ever. his culture has a life debt kind of concept. Mm. I, I agree. Um, I'm interested to see where his story goes, especially you know it's got that legless Gimli feel. Um, <laughs> Man, and I actually I, I liked the, his characterization, like what they did in the little time that happened uh, when he lined yeah. up the troops and he was giving them crap, but it kind of felt like it was coming from a loving way. Maybe not loving is the right word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yes, he was. He was likable. Mm. Uh, sure and a, lo- a lot of the characters were very likable i thought it I if they were just 
the problems with that I have with the exposition and sometimes over-explaining things hindered my liking of them sometimes because they would just like state very obvious things. I was like, I don't, I don't need that to be stated again. And but in spite of that, I am excited to see where pretty much all the characters go from here. I agree yeah. completely. Um, especially, like I said, I think I, I enjoyed the book a little bit more than both of you. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were quite a few parts where I wrote, like, is this necessary? Or um, even more than that, there were a few times where I just wrote, and like, eh, this doesn't work, I don't think. Like, yeah. uh, I think Amar's like, oh, you have changed. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I overall, agree. like I said, I think the style is really strong, and I think it mm-hmm. works, and I think his vocalization is really, uh, really strong as well. How big do you guys get the sense how big do you guys think the the land is here i get the sense that it's like tiny it, it feels small like feels um small. like avatar size yeah but at the same time the armies are fairly big like the the torland army is ninety thousand men that was half which of it is half of it and that's an that's an enormous army for any pre-industrial well, society the- <laughs> The Torland itself is only like six million people. Because he said something about like there being like uh, there were these random like math numbers involved with like the capital, and I figured out there's like six hundred thousand yeah. there, and then it was like one sixth of the total country or something or something or other. And I was like, so there's like six million people in the whole country. Six million people. So I don't know. Not really details I care much about, but um, I fairly small. Uh, can... I think. I would I I'll probably ask him about how he calculated the the army sizes and stuff if if he was drawing from anything there. Um, Maybe the size of the United a, States. Uh, huh? Size of the United States. I think it's much smaller because things happen very quickly. Yeah. Right. Like Kerrigillian, like it's it's captured over the course of what looks like a couple days. Uh-huh. Like the entire the entire process, which is kind of really fast. Uh, so. I hope in the next books there is at least some mention made about how how they're controlling Kerrigillian now that they have it because you can conquer a place and um, often the inhabitants are not very happy about this and they will do things like guerrilla warfare. <laughs> so I'm sure you know in your country, Dusty. <laughs> I, I have no idea what you're talking about. No idea. <laughs> Yeah, the Kerrigillian king was. Uh, I really like the the conversations they had with the kings and their their relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. And then the end of the other uh, Kerrigillian king and uh, Bracht is the name of the other king. I thought he was really cool and his relationship with his wife and how she didn't seem to say much of anything, but She's you could tell in the pants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. She raises an eyebrow. He's like, oh, well, I guess I can go and treat with Kerrigillian. Yeah. So like, uh, through I wasn't really enthralled through most of the reading, but by the end, I'm invested in seeing what happens in mm-hmm. almost every single plot thread and every single character arc so Agreed. good job philip yeah. yeah i'm excited to also read book really two. want to meet galador yeah yeah it's a nice little tease there it's like i ordered yeah. at what point did you realize we're never going to see him <laughs> <laughs> uh, when they join the mercenary company i think yeah i think so as well <laughs> yeah all right anything else thinking yeah that's it that's all i got i think i'm all right too well, that was fun. I I don't I don't know, but it seems like this is getting a fair bit of buzz. Yeah. So I I, I imagine he's selling pretty well for a self-published author. 
it was yeah, number I... number one in military fantasy and he's like i would expect epic fantasy or high fantasy or something but uh it was fun i'll take it. I, yeah i wouldn't call this military fantasy i wouldn't i, I, wouldn't I don't either. i don't I, mean, I don't maybe the mercenary he's... company parts if it were almost entirely that i would definitely count it as military fantasy or maybe but... the plan to conquer the world was like a logistical thing i don't know who decided yeah i, I don't know what his expertise is it, like how much expertise he has in the military stuff i, I uh, that's something i will probably ask him about uh but it feels to me that he's not very interested in that side of it based Agreed. on the writing here i like tolkien <laughs> i <laughs> well tolkien is actually shockingly good at 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 the battle scenes even if he the way he described him was much more lyrical than it was intense i would actually like to see in the next books philip adopting a more mythical approach to the combat rather than like describing like individual sword blows and parries and riposts and stuff like that i think i think it would work better with the the style uh shall i sign off yeah all right thank you for listening to this episode of the way it down uh episode on the way of a dawn by philip chase um i suppose you don't need us to say it but uh we all liked it and we all yep. recommend it uh for most people i guess depending on what you like but if you listen enjoy it read it check out philip's book uh listen to our talk with him hopefully sometime soon um goodbye do we have to say later. anything else so long <laughs>